Hey, Scuttlebutt listeners, thank you again for joining us. Uh, I'm here with William. Howdy. And we're here, Modern Day Marine, day three, and really ex uh, excited to be talking to the Marine Innovations Units, um, Lieutenant Colonel J.B. Persons, and Captain R.J. Jackson. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, this is awesome. So, uh, really, really interested in this construct. Um, your name alone is piques my interest, the Marine Innovation Unit. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the ap applicability of Force Design 2030, what talent management looks like. Everyone seems to want to say the word innovation, just like shoehorning it into any conversation. Like, right. wait, what's for chow? I think innovation. Um, but yet, it is part of your unit title. I mean, that's what you guys, so, so sir, uh, what, is a marine innovation unit. Yeah, I know innovation is a very loaded term. It uh, means a lot of different things to a lot of people, but uh, the way we operate is we are a reserve unit that's looking to take the, the various talents that Marines have developed outside of the Marine Corps and apply them to Marine Corps problems to help active duty Marine Corps units solve their problems. So as far as innovation, you know, we, we don't have a monopoly on innovation. Uh, what we provide is uh, talent and, and some excess capacity and capability that uh, an organic unit might not have. Um, and help them with whatever challenges they face. So it might be just a new way of looking at it. It might be, uh, you know, just more bodies to do the things that Marines do well as far as problem solving. Awesome. And RJ? Yeah, and so I, I, would, I, would, uh, I would piggyback off of that to say that it is effectively an internal consulting arm to the active component that because we do have such high-value, low-density skill sets that we can then lever to accomplish rapid accelerated capabilities advancements into the active component. So they bring us the problems, we take our private sector or sometimes military skill sets to apply back to that problem set to maybe provide a capability that a unit does not have organically. So what sort of issues are, are we looking at here? Like what, what, what are general problems that units will come to you with? I mean, it's, it's broad, it's everything from, uh, hey, I need a, a software pilot um, for something that I want to do internally and I don't have necessarily the resources to hire an outside group. We have Marines who do professional software development in their day jobs regularly. And through resources we already have within the Marine Corps, they can put together these kinds of things and show the, you know, the art of the possible, or maybe even a fully functioning uh, tool that that unit can then take and, and apply themselves. Uh, all the way through more advanced things, uh, helping with you know, more headquarters or uh, uh, you know, that, that supporting organization uh, solve, how do, I, how do I work on reserve talent management? What are some things that I can do from a strategic level to help processes go smoother? Mm -hmm. And so we have folks from, you know, who are professional consultants who can help with that initial, you know, kind of engagement framing or, and, and, and uh, design, all the way through, you know, tech-oriented folks who either they have a deep expertise in particular technology or they know the test and evaluation process or, you know, they're coders who can work. And we also have, you know, Marines who have, uh, you know, deep, knowledge of acquisitions and contracting. Mm -hmm. We don't have acquisition authority ourselves, but these Marines, they know the pathways that exist and they right. kind of help with that pathfinding. So if it is a, a material solution that you end up needing, they can kind of help you with the, the right path to get that, uh, the, the thing that you want in the right, in the fast amount of time. Right, and so specifically then, so what is your background? Yeah, so I'm a, see, a MIT educated engineer, uh, flew Hornets for the Marines for a while. After that, went to the Marine Corps Warfighting Lab, some science technology program management, got some great exposure. And this to, was all active duty? And that was all active okay. duty, yeah. So that was the, you know, through 2018, got some great exposure um, to a lot of the future kind of operating concepts 
um, especially manned, unmanned teaming, you know, things in that area. So everything from UAS counter UAS through ground robotics, some cyber EW. Um, doing all that, I found that uh, you know machine intelligence is going to be a big part of everything we do in the future. So that motivated me to go back to school, started working on a, a PhD in uh, computer engineering, uh, machine intelligence focus. Uh, did that for a couple years and got pulled out of school by actually a, a Navy flying buddy of mine um, who has a, a startup uh, seed stage out in Silicon Valley in the aviation technology space. So I've been working for that uh, company for the last year and a half, getting some great exposure to, you know, to startup life, to technology, to how things are built mm -hmm. uh, in, in industry, uh, kind of at the cutting edge. And so I've been able to apply all that to my job here. Also had, you know, some time with the Defense Innovation Unit as reservist prior to coming here. Okay. Uh, so, you know, similar name, different, uh, different mission, you know, a little bit of overlap. Yeah. Uh, but definitely trying to figure out how we can, can modernize and accelerate um, the, the acquisition system and the pathways of transition of not just stuff, but capability mm -hmm. to the Marine Corps. And so within the MIU, I'm now the Advanced Capabilities Branch Head. So I've got about a, a quarter of, uh, of the unit here working with me. Uh, I see myself as a force provider to those who are actually doing engagements, working with our active duty uh, partners. And so I've got everything from uh, you know consultants who kind of help you know, map out what's the solution look like to those tech-oriented folks to the the acquisition professionals as well. Wow. And then RJ, what about you? Yeah. So this is going to sound like a very common refrain. Uh, so I've um, economics and finance background. Went to law school. Became a practicing attorney. Moved into the cybersecurity space. Started. Uh, got some certifications in that. Became a public sector CISO, so I was a chief information security officer for a, uh, a public organization. Advanced in through that, started a company, so I'm a co-founder in a science and technology software uh, startup. Uh, starting a second one kind of in that space as well again, and now currently act as the deputy attorney general for cybersecurity technology and digital assets for the state of Oklahoma. Oh, and wow. So, and so that's where, you know, to, to points made previously, is that we, that we leverage a lot of, and so some are science and engineering backgrounds, some are law and policy backgrounds, but everyone, if you talk with the MIU, I frequently have uh, imposter syndrome because you talk with a lot of people in the unit that you say, wow, they're, why, why am I part of this unit? Right. Because everybody, when we say high value, low density skill sets, it's across the board. Everyone is a force multiplier, as, as JB said, that we're really trying to take what is the, we're trying to lever up a capability for the active component that exists in the private sector that you just are not, it's very difficult to train to in the active component, but we bring that Is it even possible? Like, I guess right. that's the thing, like, I'm not sure how many MIT engineers we have floating around. We've, we've got a handful. We handful, uh, but that's yeah. it. Just I think, a, I think literal, I know them all. a literal handful. Right. Like, I could grab one, yeah. maybe. Um, so, RJ, what was then your career, uh, your civilian career progression, how did that parallel your Marine Corps career progression? Sure, so I'm, I'm a direct reserve commission officer, so I joined as a reservist in 2014, started out as a logistician. At the same time, what was where were you at? Civilian? So I had, I had just passed the bar, I was okay. a practicing attorney, and so it started in 2013 with a firm. Okay. Asked to leave for a year, went to the Marine Corps, went through OCS, TBS, and then the, the training pipelines, and came back, and that's when I made the transition to cyber. So in, in those processes, started out as a platoon commander, mm -hmm. then uh, side OIC, uh, deployed to Iraq in a staff uh, billet, came back, was an aide twice, um, and then have moved over now into MIU. So mine, mine has kind of been a more administratively heavy, whereas uh, not a pilot, not, uh, not conveying ordinance. And so um, I think that is another unique experience or thing that you find in the, in the Marine Innovation Unit is there's not 
there's not an MOS that they recruit towards, yeah. and there's not a skill set or experience that they recruit towards. It's, it's a very broad spectrum yeah. of military experiences it, that we layer on. It's so fascinating, to be quite honest. And actually, we'd had a guest on earlier. We were sort of, uh, we broached a little bit of this, this uh, I guess, conglomeration of, the, like, we truly are a multi-generational force right now. Mm. Um, you know, when I was growing up, we were all sort of victims of the long war. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think my third year in the fleet was after, was nine, you know, nine was nine eleven, mm-hmm. um, and then some of the junior officers, I mean, spent their entire time in the Marine Corps fighting this counterinsurgency fight. And so, even if we were age-wise culturally within the Marine Corps, we were all within the same generation. We all sort of had shared experiences in that way. You guys are sort of the paradigm shift in that regard in that you have those who maybe supported uh, OEF, OIF, um, and even maybe in, in a more kinetic way, and then others that are sort of following a more administrative pipeline, but yet you're all together in this sort of unified common mission set. Do I even call it a command structure right now? Like it, obviously it is. But uh, yeah, for, for those senior Marine yeah. officers listening, we do have a command structure <laughs> yeah. with a uh, reporting chain and, and all the things we're supposed to. Yeah, there have. are fit reps, right? Yeah, there are fit <laughs> reps. Oh my goodness, yes, there are. Um, so yeah, I guess, and it, it really is. Then, is it the role then of the prior service recruiter to really be like digging this thing out, or is it? Are you guys sort of homegrown and like, hey, I know a guy who knows a guy? Yes, we actually have an application process. Okay. We, we have a, a MAR admin that goes out soliciting applications. And it's more, I guess, uh, a civilian-style application process. So it's not just someone gets assigned to MIU. It's you apply. Uh, yeah, we look at your RQS. We're interested in your military background. But we're really interested in what other skills you mm-hmm. have um, that might not exist elsewhere in the Marine Corps that the, the active duty component can use uh, to, to help solve their problems. So um, you're looking at job experience, uh, specific uh, technical skills, um, also some marine skills, uh, you know, like who's got experience in contested logistics, uh, who maybe in their day job helps uh, you know, work with those kinds of communication systems or logistic systems mm-hmm, to help support mm-hmm. that, and, and who can help inform uh, you know, how we might be able to apply that to a future fight. So there's a lot, a lot of different things that are out there, and we get a lot of great applicants. We only take a handful. You know, just as we don't have a monopoly on innovation. Well, that's great that we, you guys are getting yeah, more than you can source. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't have a monopoly on talent either. Like, there, yeah. there are a lot of uh, individuals throughout the Marine Reserve uh, who can do a lot. So that's one of the things that we're looking at, too, is how in this process we use internally to do that troop to task. How do we match these specific skill sets or experiences with the problem that the, the active duty component brings to us? How can we scale that to across the Marine Forces Reserve where, you know, big Marine Corps has got an issue. Well, it turns out, you know, this individual, you know, this, this sergeant out at, you know, whatever, uh, you know, combat service support unit um, knows how to solve. How do we know that they're out there? And how can we match that to mm-hmm. the problem that exists? Yeah. So it's, it's a, an ongoing uh, line of effort that we have. Yeah, and, and where, are you, where are you looking actually to the civilian sector for, uh, I don't want to say inspiration, but as a template? Like when you think about like, uh, I don't know, some of these job sourcing places like ZipRecruiter or something like that where they do almost, or they're using algorithms, right? They're using AI to a limited extent to sort of put people on the right. Yeah, I, th- I think one of the fun things that you, you find when you start to meet with people at MIU is maybe not a p- specific implementation like ZipRecruiter, but as a process that the people who work on that probably are in MIU. Mm-hmm. And so the people who have who have looked through how do I identify 
value, human capital value. Right, right. How do I filter and sort to tributase them to appropriate? People who do that in the private sector are doing that for MIU in kind of as we kind of pull it up a higher level as the Marine Corps looks at talent management at force design is this is that Attention, period, right? a, a period yeah. of transition where we say, okay, we, we recognize that the Marine Corps of the future is going to need these high value, low density skill sets. How do we identify them? How do, as, as, as kind of alluded to, how do we identify them, retain them, or where we can't keep them in active component, develop a home for them on the reserve side so that we don't lose that, va that human capital value, even though they want to move into the private sector. Right, they don't just drop to the IRR exactly. and then eventually just contract out, mm -hmm. right? And that's one of the things that, you know, we don't just you know, provide technological you know, uh, expertise and solutions. It, a lot of it's, uh, you know, how do we help with policy and process? Because we, we have folks who've worked in many different contexts, including the Marine Corps, and so they have that awareness to know what can work for the Marines as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And they aren't, you know, you know heads down, uh, fighting the fight uh, in you know every, every day, and so they they can step back from the problem a little bit and have that capacity to say, okay, who do we need to talk to, you know, within the, the supporting establishment to change this policy, or what do we need to do to prove that this is a safe, good way to move forward, and so we can help, I think, with some of, of the barriers to implementation that currently exist, that uh, I'd say you know Marines and the fleet bang their heads against every day. And you guys then, I will throw up air quotes for our listeners are based out of New York. That's correct. Do you, do you have a hardened structure, like a drill site or center? We do, uh, okay. New Newburgh, New York, uh, uh, at uh, Stewart Air National Guard Base. So there was a, uh, a VMGR unit that was activated uh, to provide more uh, lift capacity in the Pacific. Uh, we moved into their spaces, got to keep some of their staff, at least uh, temporarily, who have been great for us. And so we have that, that core um, you know, active reserve uh, or active duty component who helps us uh, operate as a Marine Corps unit needs to operate. And there are also facilities up there. We have the uh, the, the ILB, the uh, uh, Innovation Lab branch, mm -hmm. um, that we're looking to to expand upon up there. So to actually have facilities to do experimentation or 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 you know help prototype some things um, that the active component might do. You know, complementary and, and in support of organizations like McWill. Um, but as far as where our Marines are, we're all say over the drill country. weekend looks very different. Yeah, drill than weekend. What I yeah, so there aren't right? too many drill weekends. Uh, really, I, th I, you know, I adapted more to the, uh, you know, the probably the, the law process of we, you know, billable hours. So, uh, you know, it could be during the week. I'm doing calls uh, with a an active component or potentially a commercial provider of capability. I'm just going to log in those hours, and collectively they they become a drill over time. Uh, our annual training, we, we've done some of that to use as actual training for the unit, especially for the new joints coming in, mm -hmm. trying to say, okay, this is how we operate. Um, it's definitely different than any Marine Corps unit you've been in before. Here's our ROE, here's where we're gonna be successful and provide value to the active component. But beyond that, we're using those drills for you know, supporting exercises or, right. or going out and spending a week with whatever that, uh, that element is to really dig down deep into their problems and, and help them develop a solution. We, we come together to accomplish the requirements the Marine Corps obviously dictates of any Marine. Mm -hmm. Running, we still run PFTs and CFTs, we still do height and weight, we still do all of those administrative requirements that every reservist is familiar with. But beyond that, the structure and the leadership is very, very flexible. And so, to points made, it could be an entire, it could be an entire year of effectively remote uh, service that you do. And so you could be on-site with an active component uh, but we do we do get together every now and then. So I, I have I can't say I have been to Newburgh at least once. Stuff. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, not just barbecues. No. No. So what's the process when they so unit contacts you? Mm -hmm. 
uh, with a problem, how does it go from there and how does it get back to them? Yeah, so we have a, we call it, you know, engagement construct because it's everything from, hey, I just need, how, where do I find this source of information? It can be as simple as, you know, like a one-day problem all the way through, hey, I want to change policy or implement a, a physical capability. How do I go about doing that? So these engagements vary in scope and scale, right? Uh, so they come to us with a problem. We'll assign a, a Marine who's got some knowledge of the area or potentially one of those uh, consultants that we have who do this in their day job all the time. And they have a very good framework for building out what's going to be required from MIU's perspective as far as time, uh, you know, personnel. Is this something that fits in our wheelhouse? Is this something that someone already has a solution to and we can just plug into place? And then we go from there. Uh, once we kind of scope that out, we have an engagement board, which will then say, okay, is this, does this meet all the wickets? Is this a good use of, of MIU's time? Are we going to be able to solve this organization's problem? If they hit all the wickets, then yes, it goes to staffing, and we, we throw whatever you know, talent's needed. We have folks, again, from across industry, a lot of different skill sets. So I, I see us as kind of just an overall uh, you know, force provider that, that assembles task-organized you know, MAGTAFs to, mm -hmm. to help solve the problem. So each one has a different kind of flavor of, of talent and individuals that need to participate. Uh, we put that together, uh, figure out what our timeline is going to be, what the out product looks like, and then set them off. And then once we're done, we get feedback from whoever we supported, as well as good after action to figure out what, what aspects of this engagement can be applied to future engagements, and how do we need to change our own internal process to, to keep improving as an organization. And, and just thinking about, like, the SMEAC, right, like the five-paragraph order, like task and purpose and all this. You guys don't, that wouldn't necessarily apply for you, is that like would situation, mission, execution, admin, logistics, command and controls? That a lot of that kind of stuff is. I think we operate in an implied fashion, yeah. Because we all are Marines and we all speak that language in right. that process. We understand. Yeah, I'm not saying that's foreign to you guys, but it's right. not necessarily applicable. We right? so we we don't have a document that we hand around that you know we don't sand table exercise. <laughs> right. We don't do rock walks. But because we have that common baseline that we all are Marines, we all speak the same language, we know those processes inherently, is that a lot of the times the way that we find common alignment is through the mechanisms that we were trained on. We just don't implement them in the same yeah, procedural that's rigid. Same. Yeah. Correct. And it's just not the same procedural implementation, but we do understand, kind of as, as you said, to under... We need to have the background. We need yeah. to have orientation. We have a mission, which is scoping the problem. We do have troop to tasking. We do have an objective. So we speak to all those things. They're just not a, a five-paragraph order that gets written and turns into right, the CO. Right. And then you guys are an 06 command that you fall directly under Mar 4 Res and uh, Lieutenant General Bellin. Is That's that correct? correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was actually my task force commander. He's a lieutenant colonel. Oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah. a great guy to work for. <laughs> it was amazing. It was awesome. Yeah, no, he's been very supportive of, uh, of our organization and what we've been trying to do. And, and Colonel Swindle, our CEO, has been very forward-leaning as far as uh, trying to find opportunities to employ us, get the message out. Being a new organization, we, we stood up very, very quickly. I don't know if any, any new Marine Corps uh, command, especially one that didn't have really an analog um, has stood up as fast as we have. Sure. Uh, but part of the problem is you get, you get out ahead of uh, of the, the branding, and so it's trying to let let everyone know, okay, we exist, here's yeah. what we do, work us into your processes, we're here to help. And I think it's probably take a little bit, little bit of time for different organizations to understand how they can best utilize us. Mm -hmm. you know, but we're here, reach out. Uh, you know. Yeah, because I was going to say, you un have the unfortunate benefit of coming up during the alphabet soup of the different I's. 
So even when I heard MIU, I was thinking, is that a new intelligence unit, or <laughs> is this like an information operations thing? Because of that you know that, but no innovation. I mean, obviously, you know, not obviously, but it makes sense when you look at the uh, narrative of force design and um, talent management. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us about this really innovative unit. Um, and I'm very excited. How, how do you guys see um, the expansion of this? Are you going to have multiple sites? Is there even a need to have a multiple site unit? Um, yeah, and I guess, yeah, from a recruitment, would there be any like direct ascensions mm. into MIU? Uh, so yeah, I don't see that as necessarily being a thing uh, okay. as far as direct ascension because it, you, it's a product of your experience as a Marine and, and as a, an individual working you know, in industry or elsewhere that makes you a good candidate to be applied to MIU. Gotcha. So it's not necessarily something you can just fall right into. It, it's, I would say, you know, people through their own decisions and, and the whims of the Marine Corps are put into, uh, you know, these, these roles where they are going to be very effective at MIU. So on, on that front, yeah, I don't see it uh, changing a whole lot. You know, as far as growth, the organization's grown. Um, it's going to be pretty stable from here on out. I think we're going to have like a feedback period as we determine um, you know, what problems are we best suited to solve yeah. and then kind of reevaluate and orient. That's one of the things that we as an organization hope to do, help the Marine Corps do, is how, how do we accelerate that the OODA loop yeah. uh, as an organization and figure out what, what we need to change to be more effective in the next iteration. Do yeah, you guys will you guys be doing a T and O review or T O review? Yeah, that, that's yeah. a that's a regular occurrence okay. for us. Okay, um, I think we've, we're probably in the process of one right now. Okay. I'm not directly involved. And, and it's fair to say that the, the the evaluations that we do for the active component, we we very much look inward as well. So it's 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 a new unit, and we but we recognize that we're still finding, borrowing from the private sector, product market fit for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. that, that we have these capabilities and we, and we know what we're trying to accomplish, but, but the points made, is, is this the proper way that we should do it? How do we organize? What's the proper size and strength? All of those are, yeah. are continuous and iterative questions that we're trying to answer internal to make sure that we are the most valuable unit that we can be, uh, again, to, to lev that the active component can lever for their objectives. Yeah, and as far as uh, facility expansion, I know you know there's plans to, to do more with our innovation lab up in Newburgh. Uh, beyond that, our, our Comstrat officer can correct me, but I think we're working on a, a center where we can interact with uh, customers and industry a little bit closer to some of those commercial hubs. Okay. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, one of our advantages is that we do have Marines all over the country. We don't, we don't have one specific site right. we have to be at. Uh, to interact with us or for us to, to help you. So, you know, we'll, we'll go to where the problems are mm -hmm. and where the needs are, you know, you know Quantico, uh, California, elsewhere. Um, so we are, uh, I think, an agile organization that's going to be responsive to the demands of the Marine Corps. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, again, thank you for taking the time. This is really cool and very informative. Great. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It's been great. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Scuttlebutt is a production of the Marine Corps Association. I am William Trudy. But you've also heard the voices or contributions of Vic Rubel, USMC retired, Nancy Lichman, retired Frazier. The opinions expressed in this episode do not reflect the official stance of the Marine Corps, DOD, or Marine Corps Association.